When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, if you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10 to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. And now to today's episode of Rao Pal Real Vision. The world of crypto is an incredibly exciting journey that we're all going on together. We don't know where it's leading to, but we know it's going to be absolutely massive. Join me, Ral Powell, as I guide you on our adventure to discover just what this new world will look like. Welcome to this special edition of Adventures in Crypto with me, Tarek Naslawi. I'm the president of a company called Science Magic Studios. We're a Web3 studio that uses emerging technology to create deep connections between brands and communities. Um, as you will probably notice, and I'm starting to get in the habit of saying this now, I am not Raul Pal. Um, Raul is a good friend and colleague. He's also a co-founder of SMS, which is how we got to know each other. And for the month of August, I have the privilege of, uh, of running the show to take you on a very special tour about all things to do with brands and Web3, a topic which has been talked about a lot as one of the major drivers of adoption, where there's a lot of cultural currency to tap into and bring people in off the sidelines. But we also know it's not a cakewalk after seeing some very exciting moves in the last uh, year or two as well. So our job this month is to get under the hood about the why and the what and the how of brands using Web3 uh, to connect with consumers and fans. And with that, I have uh, the great privilege of introducing our guest today, Robert Bryan, founder of Karate Combat, a new mixed martial art format, which has been designed from the ground up with the idea of disrupting the format with putting fan engagement first. When I first found out about Karate Combat or KC, I was absolutely fascinated about this as yet another example of how sports and entertainment is disrupting and what the role of Web3 could be in that. So welcome to the show, Robert. How are you doing? Good, good. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. Uh, Well, thank you. Um, It's a real pleasure. I very much enjoyed our last conversation where we were really kind of getting into uh, uh, the, the whys and wherefores of Karate Combat after finding out about it. And you have a very interesting story to tell. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with our audience. But before we start going into Karate Combat itself, tell us a little bit about you, Robert Bryan, and how you ended up in the Web3 space one way or another. And take us as far back as you think is relevant. Yeah, well, you know, as you know, today, Karate Combat started a new sport. Um, we're the world's top striking league, and we're using crypto in a way that you know, I don't, I don't think anyone out there is doing anything close to this. So, so it's very interesting, but it's very new. And, and how we got here was just, you know, a very long roundabout stories. So, you know, my, my background started in TradFi, um, you know, worked at Goldman, number of different hedge funds over a 10-year period uh, in New York City. And after that, I was always interested in actually running a company. And I saw a pretty unique opportunity in cybersecurity. It essentially... Um, 
kind of give you a high level view in, in the medical device cybersecurity industry, um, there is very, very little in the way of cybersecurity. And two researchers came to me with this thesis. I ended up funding the company, running it as CEO. And that's a story in itself. But essentially, right now, the company does about 90% of the market for medical device implantable cybersecurity. So anyone you know with a pacemaker, um, you know, anyone you know on a ventilator, we most likely did the cybersecurity for that device. So in, in any event, you know, that, that was quite a journey itself. And I was actually looking at taking some time off from that. I actually had to hire another CEO that the company was transitioning to. And actually, my, my wife always wanted to me to meet with her, uh, her father about this interesting idea he had. And he's the nicest guy ever, but honestly, has very limited um, English speaking. I, unfortunately, speak very limited Spanish. So, you know, I was putting off for a bit. I, I didn't know what it possibly could be. Um, and he basically came into my office and he had, he had a, you know, what I thought was a pretty crazy idea at the time, but it was simple. He said, look, karate is an Olympic sport, but the way they do it in the Olympics, it doesn't work at all for TV. But if you look at the sport of karate, it actually has a massive following. So for instance, in the United States, you know, two to 4 million people do MMA, depending on how you count it up. But over 100 million people do Shotokan, which is just one type of karate worldwide. So it's a, it's a massive market. And the other thing is when you look at how the UFC has become successful, uh, yeah, it's very interesting fighting. However, the fans don't like the grappling. And karate doesn't have grappling. And, you know, if you look at a lot of the movies, a lot of what you see is karate. So it's one of the most fun to watch types of fighting out there, period. So essentially what, what, what his idea was, was to look, you know, take the Olympic fighters, they train full contact, even though they don't fight full contact in the Olympics, have them fight full contact, and it'll be the most exciting mainstream combat sport out there. And absolutely no one's done it before. And I heard what he was saying. I said, man, this is, this can't be a good idea. This sounds horrible. There, this is so simple. Like, of course, somebody's tried full contact karate before. Um, and, you know, it turned out there was a few reasons why, um, no one, no one had done it before, but, you know, we saw a few ways around that. And, 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 you know, and, and, and what are those? Cause like, I, I'm sure that like many of the people in the audience, like I didn't even realize that Olympic karate is not full contact. Like what's the, what's the deal there? Well, to, to tell you how Olympic karate works, um, it, it's pretty ridiculous, frankly, you know, karate is a combat sport. So the way it works is it's touch only. But furthermore, if you accidentally hit the person too hard, which is extremely subjective and they're hurt, you lose a point. And if you hit them you know, way too hard, you're just disqualified. So nothing was a better example of that than the last Olympics when you had you know, a guy from Saudi Arabia. And by the way, he was the first Olympic medal winner ever in their country. And he was in the gold, gold medal match um, with the individual from Iran. And he hit the guy clean, perfect strike, knocked the guy out. Refs come up and they're like, you lost the match, you're disqualified. And they're like carrying this other guy out. And then they like wake him up. And they're like, you won the gold medal, good job. So, you know, that, that, that's sort of Olympic karate. And there's an organization called the WKF. And it, essentially what the, these guys did is, you know, they set up an organization. You know, they did have a stranglehold on the Olympics. And they made the athletes pay to compete. You know, I think that they didn't, they didn't have the largest platform, you know, when the, the athletes paid to compete, you know, in these, in these limited contact matches. But the, the big problem is they really prevented the athletes 
from participating um, in any other combat sports leagues. We weren't the first ones interested in these athletes. You know, the UFC was after them, all sorts of people. And what the, what the league essentially did is they said, look, if, you, if the athletes, if any of our athletes participate, um, they didn't say this openly, they did behind the scenes. If any of our athletes participate in any other league, we're going to tell them they can never go to the Olympics, which is obviously a horrible thing to do to an athlete. And then, frankly, it's these guys' dream. So that, that's what essentially had set the sport back, and that's what kept these athletes per, from performing on a larger stage. And when, what, what, when we came along, the way we found it to get around that issue, uh, it was actually quite interesting. So at the same time this, this idea came across my desk, something else happened in, the, in another area of the Olympics, um, speed skating. Essentially, there were these two, I, I think they were Dutch speed skaters competing in the Middle East. They just did an exhibition event. They got paid $3,000 or something along those lines. And the Skating Federation did the same thing. They said, you can never go to the Olympics. Well, these two guys hired a law professor, filed an antitrust complaint, and they actually won. So that case precedent had just been set. So we sort of said, hey, you know, now is the time from karate. If the, if the, the competing league tries to prevent these athletes from competing, you know, now we have this antitrust precedent to, to sort of get around that. So... You know, that's sort of how, how the league started. So armed with that knowledge, you know, our, you know, our background and doing other, other sorts of similar businesses, we flew around the world. We signed all the best fighters, including the number one greatest of all time fighter. And essentially that's how the league got off the ground. Well, I mean, look in that little intro there that you've given, there's, I don't know how many hooks you've, you've given, you've given us there. Like the first is, um, I mean, you must be one of the most grateful people for their father-in-law uh, uh, ever. I think, right? If uh, if uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, and I feel bad because my wife always reminds me about it. And um, you know, I, I told Bass the story. Bass was on the Joe Rogan show, and he, he basically said the same story, but he said her brother rather than her father. And her father was like, "What, man? The one time, you know, they they mentioned me on the Joe Rogan show, and they got the wrong guy." Okay. Right. Oh, well, that's that too bad. Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure like that, you know, our, our following is almost as big as the Joe Rogan show. So uh, we can set, we can set the record yeah, we'll straight. Set the record straight. Set the record straight. So uh, that's, that's, that's very interesting. And um, you yourself at the time then, so actually you, were you an MMA fan at this point that you decided to kind of like jump into this thing? You're like, were you sort of licking this purely from a, you know what, what what's your father-in-law's name? Man, I, I told him Papa. When Papa brought this idea to you and you started looking into this and you had just been doing your stint in cybersecurity for medical devices, were you already an, an MMA fan at the time? Or was this something that you were looking at really as more just like, a, you know what, there is actually an interesting gap here in the market? Well, funny enough, I had seen, so, so the way the landscape worked at the time is you had the UFC, which at that point was already a great success. And then a number of other companies were essentially copying them. Exact same rule set, sort of UFC juniors. And, you know, I didn't know if those models would work or not, but if you look at baseball, you know, everyone just cares about the best team. You know, no one's ever heard of the, the Yankee farm team, you know. I thought, you know, combat sports is probably going to be the same way. And I think there's a few surveys out there, like 96% of MMA fans only care about the top five fighters or, or something crazy like that. So 
even though I saw I was interested in the space and I was looking at these other investments in the space, you know, I just didn't see a great opportunity there. But when this came along my desk with karate, not only is it a different rule set, but it's a completely different culture. So, you know, rather than copy the USA, I said, hey, look, here's an opportunity to do something completely different, not just in the rule set, but also culturally. And when you look at the values of, you know, millennials or the younger generations, they don't, some of the UFC, you know, in this pre-fights, they're saying, oh, I'm going to kill your, I'm going to kill your family, you know, economic gray, your wife's in my DMs, you know, all, all sorts of crazy things. And, you know, I don't think that re resonates quite as well with the younger audience. And with karate, you know, there's still a lot of competition, but there's also respect. So I'd say our fighter confrontations are similar to F1. You know, you still have this aggression in there. You know, they're not best friends, but they treat each other with respect. And they also have, you know, very complex backgrounds. In MMA, you, you know, you're training in gym. It's a lot of people from, you know, California, Brazil, um, you know, southern parts of Russia, very concentrated areas. Karate's pretty diverse from around the world. And a lot of these fighters teach children during their day. So they're very interesting. They have great backstories. You know, there's just so many incredible stories there. So, you know, all that together, I said, hey, look, combat sports is growing. And this is the perfect platform to be a more mainstream combat sport that resonates with a larger group of people. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick pause and hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back. So there's there's a few things that you you've already hinted at as well, like that this this opportunity is really created by the fact that um, the largest franchises and all of the franchises that have replicated that model, the UFC model, um, same rule set, and 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 the and it sounds like the big deal there was like there's a lot of viewership here, but the rule set is giving rise to fighting, which results in grappling because grappling is basically. With what is grappling like basically the discipline which is gives you the best odds of winning in that rule set like if you want to win ufc you've got to be great grappling and that means fights always end up on the ground and is is that kind of the is ufc getting boring for people is that the real issue yeah i mean look i, I i'm a ufc fan as well you know they created the industry i, I love what they do um UFC was essentially diff all different types of fighting, you know, what's going to be the most effective with that rule set. And, and by the way, a lot of it is advantage, you know, for, for, for grappling, you know, it is close to a real fight, but honestly, it's a very soft mat, right? Um, there's a lot of things that are different from a real world fight. You know, you're also in a small area confined by a, by a fence. So all these things benefit grappling, they, they benefit certain things. And even, even the smallest thing, you know, such as the way the fence is set up, you know, people have changed their entire style um, to capitalize that, you know, a lot of the grapplers that you see. So, you know, there's still a lot of interesting strikers in the UFC, still an incredible sport. But for me, you know, my favorite part was the striking. And I think a lot of the fan, you know, new fans and old, new fans prefer it because it's easier to understand. And I think most of the older fans, you know, even if you understand grappling, I do jujitsu myself, the striking is just more exciting um, and it's a more fun to watch. So, you know, that's why I think our, our rule set is exciting. But rather than just the grappling, we've made a number of other changes. So when you look at some of our highlights, it might look similar to MMA. But we made a number of other changes to the rule set with the intention of making it more exciting. So when you actually watch a fight, it's completely different than MMA. And I think that's why we have a lot of the old, old school guys in MMA. You know, we, we didn't expect this. We were going after a new audience. 
But when we started year one, we were on Fight, fight Pass. Yeah, I think we we're, were the highest rated show other than the actual UFC. And all the comments were like, hey, this reminds, this is exciting again. You know, this reminds me of the original UFC. So, you know, we're really happy with the rule set. We think it really showcases the parts our athletes are the best at and, and fans have loved it. I mean, that's, that's I think, Im- important to, to, to get to is like, you, you, the, the actual format of the sport itself is the core part of the proposition, right? We're going to talk a little bit about the Web3 element, but it's the actual, it's not, it's not really mixed martial arts. And I think I probably actually just misquoted that. It's actually just karate. Like it is, it's a karate format. It's karate fighters um, and it's full contact striking. And that's the, the real kind of the core of what's different to this about what you can have in a different UFC. So, yeah, so, 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 so quick inter- interjection there. So we call it karate combat. Our core base of initial fighters, you know, essentially most of them came from, from Olympic karate. However, any type of stand-up striking is welcome in our league as long as it follows the basic rule set. And we've definitely leveraged on the brand name of karate. You know, that's definitely the biggest part of what we do. And the funniest thing about that is, you know, it's incredible brand, period. You know, you look at it, it's the top, what are the top TV shows out there? You've got Dragon Ball Z. You know, I think Cobra Kai was the biggest TV show in the world, you know, over the past two to three years, right? Cry is excellent from branding. But then you come up to the corporate side and investors hate it. They're like, what, what is this terrible idea? We're investing in a karate company. It sounds like a kid thing, right? So, you know, it's perfect for branding, but people not in the business or, you know, a lot of the older investors just, just you know, don't, don't seem to get it, you know, whether it's, you know, other other traditional businesses we're partnering with, you know, the, the whole group of business people out there, I don't think is in tune with what, what incredible brand it is and, you know, how great it's been to kind of attract new viewers to our league. I mean, uh, I, it doesn't sound like it'll be long before they change their mind with like the kind of participation rates that just seem to be quite staggering. Like you said, a hundred million people doing karate um, globally. Um, but, you know, for anybody that hasn't actually watched a KC fight yet, Right, and I, I certainly hope that uh, everybody goes on um, goes online and and uh, and watches some of the fights uh, to see what we're talking about here. It's also a different vibe, right? Like what, when I first uh, when I first went online, and I think it was KC thirty nine that I was watching. The actual kind of arena itself is also aesthetically quite different. Tell people a little bit, like you know, what they might expect to see and why you guys decided to you know bring a really strong digital angle into the into the aesthetic well so first off you can watch on karate.com that's the easiest way way to get up to speed what we do is definitely unique and when you look at it it's sort of you know it looks really interesting but when we created it we always had one goal in mind we wanted to make the content people wanted to see available in the ways they want to see it and we had this sport that's been around for for hundreds of years one of the oldest sports out there right i mean hey caveman was fighting right um, we had that platform, but we're able to change all the rule set because we changed from Olympic Christ. So, you know, I explained how we made the rule set more exciting. You know, we also made the venue, uh, completely different. And what we did is we actually ended up focus grouping a lot of people when, when we came up with this and we didn't want the traditional stadium. So we did all sorts of crazy stuff. Back then we had like a boxing ring. We like put a boxing ring, you know, on top of the world trade center and sort of mocked it up and said, hey, look, this isn't a stadium. We got people watching. This is cool, right? And what people generally thought was, um, why, do, why are you having this weird location? It must not be the best fighters. And people only want to watch the very best fighters. 
However, we found out when we changed everything about it, you know, the, the venue, um, the look and feel almost made it look more like a movie, half like a movie, half like a sport. Then they thought it was extremely cool. And then when we showed them, you know, traditional MMA, they had, well, actually the focus group they were coming back was, oh, this looks a little trashy, not as classy, et cetera. You know, we, we, we like the sort of movie oriented look and feel uh, much better. And the important thing about that is it allowed to grow our sport before we had the following to fill a whole stadium and without these enormous fixed costs. So, you know, it was basically a really cool environment that people love without the fixed costs. And essentially the things we changed is we have a patented pit that has 45 degree angled walls. So it's exciting for the fighting. We can go up the walls, but um, you can't stand there. So people run up, they do kicks off of them. But there's some other advantages. So one, there's nothing between the viewers and the, and the fire. So whether you're there in person or it's on a camera, there's no cage, there's no ring, so you're shooting sideways. And you can have a better look and feel. We actually shoot it with movie cameras. We use movie lighting. The audience is standing, you know, rather than sitting. So all these different things give like a fight, you know, almost like a fight, upscale fight club vibe um, that, that the audience really likes. And in season one, we actually did have an event on the top floor of the World Trade Center. Um, we had a we had a, an event in Acropolis in Greece. We had an event in South Beach and out in Hollywood in California and these really unique venues. What we did to further this thing is in, in season two, we actually dropped that and we sacrificed live for a period of time to film it with a virtual bathroom. So we went to the world's largest movie studio in Budapest, set up a massive green screen. It had a real audience, but inserted virtual worlds behind it. And that, that was one of the biggest risks we've ever taken in our business. And it turned out to work out very well. You know, the audience in, ended up loving it. But when you put all that together, you know, what, what you see today, you know, it's been four or five years perfecting it, but there's definitely nothing like it out there. So, wow. Okay. So, because when I tuned in for KC39, I think I, I was seeing the latest iteration, which is, you know, you've got the fight going on. You've got quite an intimate looking, it's almost deceptive because it looks like the crowd's quite big, but they're really close by the pit. And then in the background, it's almost like I'm in the metaverse, you know, like I'm actually in, uh, this whole thing's kind of taking place in, you know, a very sort of um, 2020s digital world gaming type of aesthetic. Um, and, uh, and it really does make the thing feel grand actually, um, and, uh, adds certainly to the, certainly to the vibe, but you mentioned it's been four or five years in the making. So actually karate combat started when started in 2018, is that right? 2019. Yeah, I think, I think our first events were, we're in our, um, we're approaching our fifth season now. So, you know, this is our fifth season operation and the R&D was about a year before that. So it's, it's already been about six years at this point. That's, that's, that's nuts. Now, if, if I sort of just think about all the things that you were trying to take on there with creating this new, this new um, franchise, different rule set, different aesthetic, um, and also I think challenging the um the governing body's approach as well to how fighters can participate in the sport as well um those three things seem are pretty ripe for disruption but there is a there is a web3 aspect to this whole thing as well you know we've been talking for quite a few minutes now and we haven't even got to that so there's that much meat already in what's different about kc but tell our audience how you guys decided to try and incorporate um uh, tokens into the fan engagement experience and um, 
this fascinating concept of something called up-only gaming? Yeah, so my one of my partners um, in the company, he's always followed Web3. So I, I followed Web3 from a high level, you know, back when I was in finance and then Bitcoin was in its infancy. You know, I was actually a proponent. I, I always thought, you know, it was an interesting thing. I argued with my friends about it on our, we still have a fraternity lift serve. You know, I said, hey, this is interesting. We're arguing about it. Funny thing is now, 10 years later, they all work in the industry after making fun of me back then. But I, I didn't really have a unique Web3 knowledge. I was running these other two companies. I didn't have the time to follow all these new projects. But my partner had invested in a number of Web3 businesses. He had, found, he had founded one already. And so essentially, this was his idea, but the core, the core killer application is, is pretty simple. What we did first is we took, you know, the, the league assets were actually purchased by an offshore, an, an offshore foundation company, um, sort of a, a, a typical DAO setup, if you can imagine. So, you know, there's a, there's a token, there's a token um, that's, that's directed by, you know, trustees, you know, essentially at the will, so, sorry, the, the, the foundation is directed you know, by trustees based on the will of the token holders, more or less similar to other DAOs. We have, the one thing that we did that was interesting is we went all the way. So there's no hidden equity. Um, I, I don't own any other equity. It's literally just, just the, the token out there, period. You know, that, that's the only sort of, um, you know, that's the only thing related to the league and it's in its governance that that's external. But that being said, you know, that wasn't enough to take a business that that was going, you know, really well and sort of change its path. The idea that we like to simple, so I'll go through how it works. So say you're a, a karate combat fan. You'll, you know, it, it, there might be some criteria, but you know, you might receive an airdrop and you'll, you know, you get a link, you click it, you go to the karate app and you'll get some karate tokens. When a fight comes up, you can pick which fight, what group of fighters or which fighter you think is going to win. If your fighter wins, you get more tokens. If your fighter loses, you don't lose any tokens. So that's very interesting because it's not regulated gambling. You can only win. And you might say, okay, well, how are you, you going to pay out winners? So essentially, the founders set aside a large chunk of their tokens to pay the winners over the first three years while the, while the league is growing. So that, that's sort of the setup. And at first, you know, it sounds like, okay, this is an interesting concept. You guys are doing a lot of new things here. How does it come together? But that, that's actually extremely important. So the most engaging thing for sports fans is having a little bit of incentive on the outcome. I think the recent stat said almost 50% of people under the age of 34 are only interested in watching a sport if they have a wager on this. It's a very, very strong incentive. And it's an incredible customer acquisition tool. You know, DraftKings essentially created a $10 billion company because they, they found a loophole in the game laws that it was a game of, um, a game of skill and not luck. What we're doing just isn't even gambling at all because you don't stand to lose anything, period. But it has that same incentive. So if you imagine someone who's a, someone who's a, a dentist or something like that, and he might be kind of interested in our league, You'd have to show him so many viral clips of a fighter like Conor McGregor to have him interested enough to essentially watch a fight. Whereas, you know, if you give him, you know, $30 of tokens and the guy's going to make $10 if his, his fighter wins, all the research says he'll drop what he's doing and he'll not only watch the fight, but usually they'll research it and they'll become involved. 
And the advantage of it is once you acquire that customer, sports is some of the stickiest model in the world. You don't have to change anything. The more they watch the players, the more involved they get on their own. So once the, the fan has that initial that initial um, moment where they're watching their fire win or lose, they, they usually continue to follow that fire. So once we sort of get the fan interested, it's all downhill from there. And we think this is a perfect customer acquisition tool and it's only possible with Web3. Hey everyone, we're gonna take another quick break and hear a word from our partners and then we'll be right back. So God, I, I don't even know where to start there. I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna go backwards. Right, because um, you know we talk on 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 this show in this month. We're really talking about what the role of Web three is with brands and why brands are investing. And 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 there's two big things you talked about. You talked about almost like the killer application of the token being an acquisition because of the unique nature of the sport. Let, let's let's go there for a second. But I want to come back to the fact that KC is owned by a DAO, and what's that like? Right, like for sure. Um, so to take the first part first. You can win, but you can't lose. Okay, so great. So the first thing is, right, what's the catch? And the catch really is, well, the founders have set aside tokens literally as a way to fund that stickiness of the actual engagement model. And from a fan perspective, the more you engage, the more you can earn because you can't lose. So there's no reason not to watch. There's no reason not to bet. Bet being kind of this thing, right, to, to back one of, one of those fighters. And that's a conversation starter, right? Now you've got like a, you know, a sticky group of your of viewers who are probably going to be like, you know, talking about that's how you build your evangelists around the franchise and how you build that, that stickiness. Is that something that you think, you know, has wider application beyond specifically sport? Do you see that kind of mechanism as something which other brands and other sectors could be using? Or you think this is something which is uniquely linked to that stat that, um, 50% of people might only be watching games which they have a wager on, which is quite mind-blowing, to be honest. Well, I, I'd have to think about it a little bit more broadly. In our case, we loved it because I think it's great for sports in general, but it's very good for, for combat sports. You know, it's a, it's a simple rule set, and it's something where the fans can have a lot of say. You know, if you're asking fans to do something complicated, you know, like draft a baseball team or something like that, um, I think it gets complicated very quickly. Combat sports are simple. You know, mono versus mono, who's going to win? It's a very simple thing to vote on. You know, our fans vote on who's going to win, but they also vote on who's going to fight who and also who we're going to recruit. You know, it's very simple things that and who fans... are going to recruit. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah, It's very simple things that, that fans care a lot about. So combat sports, I think, work work particularly well for this versus more complicated team sports. So, you know, we're really happy about a specific application, but I think that, you know, in all of sports, I think it's, I think owning, not, not, obviously it's not owning, it's, a, it's, it's different than that, but, you know, having real say in a sports team is, is one of the, the, the most sort of engaging things out there. You know, the Green Bay Packers, I don't, I don't even know if the stock actually owns the league, but man, everyone's so proud about their Green Bay, Green Bay Packers stock certificate, you know? Um, I think it's such, you know, an important concept, you know, throughout sports. And Web3 allows you to take it a step further, allowing you to do the airdrops and, and get people involved essentially for free. So I think it works well for sports. I don't know about our exact application outside of sports. 
you know, I'm sure there's some tweaks to it um, that could that could have it work well. You know, and outside of the upline gaming, you know, we're using we're using you know sort of our, our token a number of other ways that we think are unique and drive value as well that aren't really related to that concept. So, for instance, in combat sports, there's this huge, you know, this huge debate out there. The leagues are making a lot of money. You know, all the are the fighters making enough? But at the same time, if you look at, look at a lot of these other leagues you know, where fire pay is 50%, the league doesn't really make any money. UFC is the other extreme, you know, you got fire pay, I think it's below 20%, you know, and obviously they have some of the highest margins out there. So you sort of have, you know, how are you going to make these work? What we do with the token is that the, so there's a, a pool of tokens that fans are basically, you know, picking different fights. If you're a fighter and, you know, a lot of, a lot of fans, you know, pick your fight because they're interested in it, you know, that's the size of the token pool. Maybe all the fans just want to fight bet on, you know, fight number five because that fighter walked out in the way in in a duck costume or something like that, right? So maybe that fight has a much larger um, token pool. The way we incentivize the fighters is we give them a percentage of the total tokens that fans have picked for their fight. So it encourages them to promote their own fight. So you have an immediate feedback loop there, right? And the, and, you know, in the UFC... They have, you know, whatever it is, you know, 30, 40 fighters on a card, you know, usually only the top one or two fights are incentivized, you know, by pay-per-view. And it's really hard to track, you know, what value you're actually having. Here, it's perfect. They can watch real time how engaged the fans are in their fight and they're directly benefited from it. And, you know, all of our, all of our fighters have tokens as well, who are essentially all incentivized together. Um, and it's a great way to encourage the fighters to do the right thing. And at the end of the day, benefit from it. So actually, you know, you, you, the DAO, the fighters, the fans, all holding the KC token is extremely central to the idea of like, the more we all engage in this thing, the more the whole kind of franchise will, will benefit from that. And of course, the up only aspect of this is kind of a certain level of irresistibility, you know, the, they're taking out the downside there. Is this, is this driving demand for the token? You know, like as a fan, I'm guessing that like, if I want to participate, either I got to get, you know, airdropped some token or whatever, which means you need to have a wallet address, presumably for, for these fans, or they got to go somewhere and get the token in order for them to participate. Right. So let's just say, I just heard about this. I'm like, I'd love to part, like I, when's the next KC cars? Um, I want to, I want to, um, tune in and watch the stream. How do I get me some, how do I get me some KC token? What does that look like for, for fans right now? Well, the, the easiest way is to download the app. Um, you know, it's pretty, pretty easy to get involved that way. Um, you know, we, we give, we give the fans some, some tokens, um, when they start, um, when they start using the app day one, if you want to purchase, we, we don't sell any of the tokens. Um, we, we just give them away. We're using it more as a fan engagement tool, honestly. Um, I know externally, you know, fans can go to, to exchanges to, to purchase tokens separately. Um, it depends on your, your jurisdiction. Um, there, there's a host of rules around it. But, you know, I think there's a number of the, the top exchanges I saw out there that, that do list the token. So, so if I download the app and you give me some token for just getting started, but I know nothing about crypto. Have you set up like a custodial wallet for me so I can participate in the thing? Or do I need to turn it, up with my own non-custodial wallet? Exactly. So yeah. 
the, the beauty of this idea is, is it's Web3, it runs on Web3, but the core, the core functionality of it is built for sports fans. It's simple, and they don't even have to know it's Web3. So it's one of the easiest apps out there. You know, you download the app. They, we do have to give you a seed phrase because we are creating a wallet for, for you, but it's very simple. It's, I think it's like three clicks. You know, Apple makes it extremely easy. We actually have our, our Android app is launching in the, in the next couple of weeks as well. It creates a wallet for you, but you, you don't even see the wallet. All you see is boom. Okay, you have whatever it is, you know, 88 karate tokens. And then you see a list of the fights coming up. Um, usually it's just the, the next fight. And you can click it, you see all the fighters, and then you can go in there, you know, you pick the wing fire, you can just click and, you know, allocate your, your tokens. And when the, when the fighter wins um, or, or loses, you see if you win additional tokens. And then we have another simple area where you can, you can vote on different initiatives within the league. So for instance, you know, who's fighting for the title? And once again, you know, that's very simple. You know, it's just a picture. Here's what we're voting on. You know, click the way you're going to vote. Um, and then it just has, so that, that, that was sort of enough right there to, to accomplish what we want, you know, have the fans engaged. It's a simple concept, but it works very well. We have another, we have a number of other things that, that we're rolling out. Um, and then obviously there's the, the basic stuff that we have to give people where they can, you know, basic wallet functionality. It's just sort of send, receive tokens, things along those lines. So, so as far as like most of the fans that are watching karate combat right now, like that they will just not, they'll have, not have a clue that we're on web three rails right now. Right. Like, is that, is that yeah, fair to say? Other than it says, other than it says karate tokens, um, and you, you, you know, you're going to win tokens other than that. Um, no, you, you don't have to be web three sophisticated whatsoever. But I'm guessing that like, there's, there's probably a bunch of people that would be like, oh, I've just, you know, in the last three cards, I've managed to treble my KC token stuff. Like, is there a market for this token? Like, can I go cash it out somewhere? Because I'm guessing if you can't, and we'll come to the regulatory bit in a minute, but if, if, you're, if you're not the, the seller or trader or whatever the tokens, you're not the, you're not the market for the tokens. Have you seen people ask you and your team questions like, hey, how do I sell my KC token? Is that a question which comes up? Yeah, I mean, once again, the app makes it, makes it pretty simple. Um, you know, if you're, if you're doing well and you have a whole bunch of tokens, um, yeah, I think fans are pretty adept of their, of their own and, and figuring out, you know, what their different options are to, to do with them. If they want to, you know, go and find somewhere else to buy, you know, usually they're, they're, it's pretty easy for them to figure out how to do it. Um, but our app, you know, from our end, we make it pretty easy for them to transfer their tokens wherever they want to. Um, you know, it's their tokens. Um, you know, it's up for them to do whatever they want with them. So, so we make it easy for them to transfer it to any other wallet. And from there, it's like any other cryptocurrency. Well, you know, I mean, one of the big things that like is a discussion in this space, no matter which brand or, or to be honest, or company or use case that we talk about is basically the idea that, you know, the, this, this challenge that people have around scaling experiences, because, you know, for people turning up who understand the idea of having custody of digital assets and having a wallet and. I've got the things I can trade them on a marketplace over here. I can interact with an experience over here. That's still the very much the minority of people. And you've, you've got a sports franchise here um, and you have an acquisition model with, with the KC token where a bunch of people will be coming in who have got no idea about that. But the thing has a financial value. So one of the things which I think is a really interesting question is, is do you think that 
there's people that are through fans of martial arts are starting to get to know what it means to have tokens and transfer them into another wallet. Like who's all using the things or is it actually that KC is maybe even attracting people who are familiar with crypto? So th this is actually pretty interesting. So sitting back from a high level, you know, our goal with all of this was just to grow the fan base, right? And, and bring more people into the league in a fun, exciting way. And we thought it was perfect for that. But when we step back and we think about it, you know, obviously we have, we have a number of other partners that are, you know, that we partner with. They're wondering, you know, what percentage of our fan base is already involved in, 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 in cryptocurrency? And when you look at, we think about the types of people out there, you know, the people who, who invest in cryptocurrency, invest in, you know, meme stocks, and honestly, are interested in combat sports and even more so wagering on combat sports, that Venn diagram is like three circles on top of each other. You know, it's like basically the exact same people. So in our heads, we're like, oh, all these people, you know, are similar selves. Um, probably a lot of them have wallets, right? You know, to us, you know, Web3 is so, so big. Uh, but surprisingly out there, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm a traditional guy now getting into Web3. You probably know the st stats better than I do, but it's still a surprisingly small number of people that have wallets, even in our space where we have like the perfect demographic for it, period, right? So, you know, we, we have noticed that um, even our fans, I would say most of them are not super crypto savvy. Now that we're doing this, we've, we've actually quickly gotten a large portion of Web3 community interest in us. So when we, when we announced what we're doing, you know, we had a huge number of sort of Web3 enthusiasts now come and, and, and become interested in the league. Obviously, those guys are experts. But the martial arts only fans, I would say the, the vast majority of them didn't have a wallet. But the concept is so simple. They understand it pretty quickly, right? They're like, well, you're saying you're going to give me tokens. And if I pick the guy that wins, I'm going to get more tokens, right? People love free stuff. So, you know, they figure out pretty quick. And we, we made the wallet simple. Um, so you'd be surprised how, how excited they are to jump on board. And we, we talk about on our broadcast, you know, and even our, even our commentators, you know, are pretty interested in it. At first they said, oh, you know, what's this token thing? You know, they, they found we were pushing it. And then, you know, afterwards they hear about it, you know, they come back and they say, hey, this, this is awesome. You know, like, how do I get more tokens is a question that people always ask me, right? So, you know, I think people are learning pretty quickly and we, we keep the core aspect of it very simple. Um, so I think people are coming around and they, they can actually figure out pretty easily, even with no Web3 knowledge. Well, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's very interesting to hear that because I think that's one of the hypotheses that gave rise to us even having this show in the first place is are things that people love, brands, intellectual properties, um, art and media and these things, are they actually a force for, um, you know, people started to use this stuff? And it feels like that you you especially that it's built into the kind of acquisition model for KC that this is very much an experiment to watch, isn't it? And, and, and for the audience, you know, when you tune in and you watch one of the fights, there is no ambiguity that there's a token involved, right? It is absolutely like plastered all over the, uh, the screen and the commentators are saying, you know, don't forget to place your, to back your fighter or what have you. I forget how they kind of introduce that, but the KC token is very integral to the experience of, uh, of watching it. So you, you cannot miss it. Yeah, that, that, that's for sure. Um, most people are very happy about it. You know, there are a lot of hardcore fight fans that they already know that we have a token. So I don't think that some of them don't want to hear more of it. Um, 
So there, there, that, that was some of the only negative few we got, feedback we actually did get. Some of the fight fans are like, man, this is such a cool promotion. But they're like, you keep telling us about the token. Um, we already know about it. And then like the first comment was like, yeah, we heard it was started by these crazy Web3 bros. And I was like, well, this is certainly not me. Uh, <laughs> maybe my partner. But yeah, we, we keep talking about it just so all the new people understand it. And it brings you know, a lot of new people to the league. But it is so simple. I guess some of the some of the OG Karate Combat fans are like, man, we already know how this works. Come on, it's easy. It wasn't from the beginning then, right? Like the, the token was something which you guys decided to introduce sometime down the line. Is that right? Or was it there yeah, from the so, start? Yeah, so, you know, I go, now that, that we're involved, I go to all these Web3 conferences. And, you know, it, it seems like we stand apart. Most of the Web3 projects out there Basically, the core of it is just Web3. You know, if it's a game, you know, the biggest draw by far is it's Web3, right? You know, you never see a game out there like Fortnite that's ridiculously popular and go say, hey, we're going to become totally a Web3 project, right? If someone did something like that, it would probably be insanely valuable, right? What we did was we had a traditional sports league. We were already in operations for three years. Um, we were actually just becoming EBITDA positive, which is you know, a huge market in our business. And, you know, all the traditional sports investors out there, you know, they said they were very, they were interested in investing in us, all those different, different things. And then we told them our Web3 plan and they were like, man, that's a big risk. These guys are, these guys are really, it's interesting, but they're, they're taking a big risk out there. Um, you know, we think it's worth it, but we already had something that we really had private market fit and we're just using crypto to, to supercharge it. And, you know, I think that's generally, the, the, the way to go if you can, right? You already know the product works and then you're just supercharging it with some sort of additional, you know, alignment and incentives or customer acquisition with Web3. But there are actually some, some learning pains as well, you know, taking a traditional business and, and moving it over to Web3. Well, but, but I mean, I think that, you know, if this, if this whole sort of series is about brands and Web3, like there was, you know, there was marketing before Web3, right? This company may have existed for a hundred years, not just for six years. So the, the idea that you're using the technology, this emerging technology to just amplify what you already know is working and grow the sport because, or grow the franchise, because through this up only gaming mechanic, there's now an incentive for me to go get the app and sort of play, you know, that's not rocket science either, right? This is what also what, what actual regulated betting sites do, right? You create an account and you get your first whatever, $10 or $50 of betting or whatever, like free, knowing that that's just basically the price of acquisition and you all are doing the same thing, but it's up only. So you've, you're, you're really just, you know, you had something solid to build on. And for most other people out there in brands, I think that's, that's really important to remember. You're not addressing necessarily a, a Web3 native audience. You're addressing karate fans or, 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 or people who are fans of MMA fighting and making that experience better. That's actually something that sometimes I think we'd all do well to remember that don't get obsessed with the technology, make the experience better. And it feels like, uh, you know, you guys took a swing on it, but that's what it was really the, the motivation behind that. I, I want to come back to what you said before though, which is, um, you know, you, you kind of almost glossed over it that, uh, KC is basically owned by the foundation, like by, by a DAO right and so there isn't any equity around it's really just the value of the token um what what is that what is that like like you know being like being a DAO, and, and 
I'm talking a bit more sort of like from an operational perspective, like how, um, how you manage the relationships with DAO members, because that's a big operation, like running a DAO. As, as you know, if you speak to any DAO operator or, 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 or DAO member, it's quite an operation to do that. Um, and how does decision-making work for the company in that, in that respect? You know, what, what, and, and what was that like compared to more traditional your experience you've had? It's, it's definitely been interesting. But the good thing is, looking at it from a very high level, it, this can be hard with a lot of traditional companies, but sports are among the best students. You know, if you think about the NFL, you know, it's a whole bunch of owners running around. I mean, that's almost similar to a Dow right there. You've got all of these crazy billionaires spread across the United States just voting separately on, on what's going to happen, right? So as sports actually are using a, a very similar structure to begin with. The other thing is, you know, the sport's almost like a protocol. The, the, the rules don't change very often, right? And you're just sort of feeding different inputs in. This guy's fighting this guy. And every once in a while, you know, maybe there's a small change to the way it works, right? So sports are uniquely set up to it. The small changes um, that, that, that you do have to do, just a lot of the understanding out there, that's where it can be tricky, right? Combat sports guys are some of the funnest people out there. You know, everyone's into exercise, things like that. But, you know, we're not huge fans of, fans of change, right? So, you know, take someone who's a marketing guy. Um, I, I think we had someone who, who worked with us, um, great guy, but he's like, does this mean, Rob, I'm going to have to listen to these crazy guys in Discord about who's going to sponsor us? Like, this is going to be insanity, right? And, you know, they're all so concerned about it. They're like, am I going to be, like, listening to all of these crazy guys out there? Like, who are going to recruit? You know, like, are, what if they have the best guy fight the, fight the worst guy in the league? Obviously, that, that wouldn't happen because there's a fighting commission. You know, but, but people were a little bit scared at first. But, you know, we were a great team. They're all open-minded. Now they love it. That same guy, you know, we were looking for sponsorships in, the, in a category. And he was, like, blasting on Discord. He was like, hey, you know, does anyone know, like, XYZ sponsors in this category? And he actually got a few, a few intros. So, you know, it, it's been a learning curve. You know, at first they were really funny about it. You know, we had to have these company-wide calls, go through it a few times. I think people were a little scared to ask. And it is, if you know nothing about Web3 and then the company that you work for is just going 100% all the way, right? You know, we give them all tokens, but no one has stock anymore. Like that's a, that's a shocker right there to these people, right? Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a lot of change. It's a lot of learning, but, you know, even... Even they know that that Web three is the way live things are going, so they know we're kind of at the cutting edge. So they were excited about that, and now that they they've learned about it, uh, you know, everyone's super happy. You know, there's there's small pushback here and there, like okay, maybe the the social platform, you know, instead of just fighting posts, you know, now you know you do have to have some Web three stuff in there, right? So, you know, every once in a while, you know, one of our poor fight guys gets some complicated, like, Web3 question he has to respond to, right? So, you know, it's still not 100% positives, but overall, you know, I think every single, I, I think every single person is really happy about the transition, especially when they see the way it's turned out. Has, has anything surprised you? So, so I, this is a question I ask, actually, everybody who, we, who, we've, who we've done one of these special episodes with. Um... Because, you know, also having direct interaction with the community is, is not easy, right? It's kind of always on, which is, you know, you, you, it's, 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 it's definitely a bit of an adjustment um, for like, you know, you go from having a job to having like a community who's like, you know, they don't care what time it is and they don't care if you're in the office and, and they, you know, there's an immediacy expectation with that. 
when you make an investment in having direct interaction with your community like that, then it's got to also feel like there's a, there's a, there's a, there's something that you get back from that. And almost everybody that we've had on the show has unanimously said that something happened or they learned something which surprised them from their community. Have you got any examples of like, you know, you mentioned one, like actually we may even got a couple of intros to sponsors we wanted to speak to. Have there been any other examples of where you'd say, you know what, if we hadn't had direct interaction with our KC community, um, then we would never have done X or we would have never have changed Y. Is there anything that you get from, from, from having that always on interaction? We, we, we've had tons of things. I mean, my, my favorite was quite, quite simple. Um, we were, we were in, we were in the discord once and, and someone got, uh, this was really early on. They got a KC tattoo on their neck. Right. We're like, fly that guy out. One week later, he was sitting front row, right? <laughs> so there, there's simple things like that. Um, but we have had a lot of people in our in the community, particularly on the on the fight recruitment side. There's there are a number of different styles of fighting around the world. You know, fighters are from all over the world. We we've had a number of the community members identify you know a number of talented fighters. And we've actually brought, you know, a lot of them on to where they're spending, you know, the majority of their time on fighter recruitment for KC. So, you know, we've actually had a number of people, you know, that were just doing completely other jobs that are now, you know, just, just working full, full time, um, you know, to sort of move, move the brand forward. So I think that that's been a, that's been a big change. And now when there's, you know, another role that's needed, the, our first go-to place is, is our community. And, you know, it's really helped us, you know, gain some very talented individuals. And I don't know, I don't think we, we would have hired or not, not, obviously it's not hired. I don't think we would have be working with those, with a number of those guys, um, if they weren't sort of community members first. That's actually also quite a common story, right? That actually the, the discord almost becomes your highest fidelity recruiting channel for specific roles where people want to contribute what they can. And uh, there would be no contact otherwise. There'd be, you know, info at karatecombat.com. Well, I, th you know, know, like... I mean, I, now that you see, I'm sure it happens all the time in Web3. It makes sense. But for us, I guess it's just interesting because these roles have like nothing to do with Web3, right? It's like, you know, fighter recruitment, right? We, we wouldn't expect, you know, roles like that to be filled from Discord. Yeah, that's, yeah, I think, I think, you're, I think you're probably right about that. Now, now, what about like, you know, that you've got you you basically have a fungible token this is not an nft play right this is a you have a kc token right um and most of the brands that um we've that we've spoken to um and also that you know at science magic studios that we speak to are really quite um, a bit more focused right right now at least on how do how do nfts um and the use of nfts across other web3 environments drive consumer engagement this token model is a little bit more like the zone, which has been a little bit more tricky for crypto recently when it comes to things like securities law, right? And regulation. How has this been a barrier for you? Like, especially being, you know, a company based in the US where there's been plenty of, you know, recent news and the SEC is very active as well in uh, trying to make examples of um, tokens and securities uh, with mixed success, perhaps. Does it, has this had an impact for you as a company as well? Or is this something which, uh, you know, you, you just kind of keep going until you're told it's an issue? What's the, what's the vibe? 
Well, you know, from, from a high level, I, I would say that there is a, a lack of a lack of clarity for sure. And I think there's a lot of other projects out there that are doing something financially related, um, something along those lines. What we're doing is like quite simple, right? And on like the spectrum of, of regulatory risk, things like that, you know, I think we would, you know, be on the lowest end of the scale. You know, that, that being said, there still is a lack of clarity. So, you know, obviously, you know, cry combats assets ha have a lot of value. You know, it's very important to the fans and community members, you know, that the league continues. So, you know, we've been extremely careful to do everything, you know, as perfectly as we can from a regulatory perspective based on the knowledge out there. And frankly, it's just been really costly due to the lack of clarity. So, you know, I, I think that for people are already taking advantage of Web3 traditional businesses, you know, all, all of that, and it's moving that direction. But I, I still think that there's a number of unneeded hurdles. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to clarity, clarity in the regulatory environment. You know, honestly, it's, it's really unfortunate. I've had to be, become, a, become an expert there, you know, to, to make sure that, you know, everything's done done perfectly. And I'm here trying to run, you know, sports league where people be, beat each other up, right? Like that, that's what we, we want to have happen here. And, you know, there is a lot of regulatory uncertainty out there, but, you know, it is what it is. And, and we really hope that, you know, everything's cl cleared up. I mean, does it, you said it's being costly. Do you mean literally just in paying for lawyers or do you, is there, is there some other aspect? Like, is it inhibiting your growth in some fashion? Is it about where the token can be listed and limiting demand for the token? Like, like, like how, how is that? Impacting? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's a number of different things, you know, obviously, you know, we can, you know, certain things, you know, only work in, in certain geographies, right. You know, that, that's one of the limits. Um, and yeah, there's a, there's a number of different, different things out there. Um, you know, different hoops that, that you have to jump through. You know, we sort of jump through all these different hoops, you know, in case they matter down the road, they might matter, they, they might not, you know, just there's not a good framework out there for us to know what to do. So you just have to go above and beyond and sort of be, you know, absolutely as careful as possible. And yeah, you know, the, the legal fees for that do add up, you know, management's time for that does add up. And, you know, there are some things that, that we have to restrict or, or be very careful about as a result. Well, um, I think probably, probably many of the people watching here will be on the same page where, you know, the appetite for clarity is obviously very, very high and, and hopefully it won't just take a, a series of lawsuits to develop that. And, um, yeah, we'll see because like the, the use of the token as an acquisition tool here, um, is, is actually something which feels like it's got real legs on and much wider applications, um, than, than just combat sports actually. Um, let's. Let's switch gears a little bit, right? We talked a lot about Casey, you know, a, a journey where like the product itself, the experience itself, the fight itself is different, right? Rules format, the aesthetics of it, how you're um, treating and recruiting uh, fighters there. The Web3 aspect came a little bit down the line as a way to really just amplify that, grow the fan base, make that experience sticky, more engaged, the more you earn. And I, I, for one, am extremely excited to see how this all unfolds. Um, because nowadays the question of like, how would you start a franchise in 2023 or how would you start a brand in 2023 when basically what the world is doing right now is juicing all the existing IPs for every cent that they're possibly worth. 
the big get bigger, right? So this experiment is fascinating to watch. Here's my question. Do you think, or even do perhaps do you know of, like other areas in this intersection between um, sports and entertainment where um, there might, we might expect um, more disruption perhaps, right? Like think about the sports formats that have been existing for, you know, decades and decades, like tennis, like cricket's been quite good actually at starting to adopt new formats. The Kings League for soccer in Spain, and you've got, you know, all sorts of stuff going on with golf. Do you think we're just going to see more and more of this stuff? And do you, do you, is your expectation that you guys will be the front runners on Web3 for a while, or you, you think people might start following your lead? Uh, yeah, well, there, there's, a, there's a few different things out there. So you have just, you know, this weird area of disruption of sports in general. So I think for the longest time, you know, you had baseball, basketball, hockey, football in the United States, right? Before we even talk about the new sports out there, um, you know, out of nowhere, you have something that's been around forever, like F1 now becoming, you know, a huge sport in the United States, right? So I think the traditional sports landscape is moving around. You know, you see a number of sort of challenger sports out there, you know, beanbag, paddleball, drone league, things like that. You know, I think that there'll be, you know, a number of winners and losers there. Um, I think uh, similar to F1 growing in the United States being kind of an up and coming sport that's still been around for a decent amount of time. I think combat sports is is sort of there as well. You know, that's across combat sports. What we're doing, you know, the UFC, I mean, even something like boxing, right? You know, arguably some of the most famous influencers in the world, you know, it's kind of becoming their go-to sport out there. And you know, I think you're seeing a, a large number, a large amount of dis- disruption among sports. And I think that, you know, a lot of people are using new technologies, Web3 or otherwise, to try to gain an edge in that. You know, you've seen fan-controlled football and, and a number of other things. So I think there's going to be winners and losers. You know, we'll see who has the right mix and model to make things work. You know, we, we like where we're situated, but I think, you know, there's a lot of things going on. And I think that there's going to be a limited number of people that kind of come out of this on top, to be honest. You know, people only have so much time and sports are a highly fixed cost intensive business and you really need a big global fan base in order to make them work so so um i've got two questions left for you um one of them is like okay so you guys have placed placed quite a significant bet on web3 then in terms of not just not just like the acquisition and engagement side of it but also just the governance of the company if there's one thing that you're like a bit like i would say worried about but that, that might actually sort of be something you really need to learn to figure out if this is going to be successful in the long run for this, the mechanics you've chosen for KC. What, what would you say that is? Sorry, do you, you mean like some, some understanding on the, the Web3 side that's kind of key to the success on the traditional side? Yeah, well, maybe I'll just phrase it a bit more simply. Um, is there anything that concerns you maybe about the bet that you've placed, right? You know, when you place a hypothesis. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I understand yeah. what you're saying. Um, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a different set of risks. I mean, I'll, not that I'm concerned about or unconcerned about, just something that's, you know, markedly different. I mean, frankly, you know, if you look at, you know, the need for, our, the, our, if, our, our need for capital potentially, you know, you have the traditional sports market where, you know, you have VCP investors. Obviously, if we're Web3, the ups and downs of that market can be significantly different from sports 
funding, you know, could be worse, you know, could be better. You know, I'm a, I'm a web three per, per, proponent. So I, I want to get on that train. You know, I think that there'll actually be, you know, more liquidity for something like what we're doing in the long run, you know, but that's different and that's always a risk, right? Um, you know, another live projects out there are highly dependent on, you know, on the, on the price of Bitcoin, on the price of Ethereum, you know, a lot of the revenues are highly correlated to that. We're a bit different. Um, whether or not an energy drink wants to sponsor us based on our viewership is a lot less correlated to, to crypto prices than most of the Web3 projects out there. But that being said, it could still, you know, affect our access to capital, right? If, if you know, we wake up tomorrow and somehow Ethereum magically blows up, right? I, you know, obviously something like that will never happen, but, you know, some, some other similar project can, can negatively impact us, even though our core business, you know, isn't as related to the price of these securities. So, you know, that's obviously a new risk. And, you know, there's some, some other things, you know, that, that we're always careful of. You know, there could always be some crazy regulatory decision, something along those lines. So, you know, there's concerns out there, but that's the case with any new space. And, you know, we'd happily accept those risks for, for the benefits. And, you know, as, it, as things clear up, I think a lot of these things will actually end up being clarified in a positive manner and just, just hopefully end up being a tailwind for us. Well, as you said, it's not like you didn't have evidence that your that there's demand for your product with or without the uh, the Web three element. So, in in essence, like there's there's kind of a flaw, no pun intended, of um, a value associated with that. Because if people find that entertaining, that's that's the basics right there. Yep, yep. People always ask me. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a ridiculous question, but. You know, the first financial institutional question that we get a lot of the time, you know, from the foundation is, oh, could it be, could it be turned back into a normal company if, you know, the whole Web3 space blows up? I was like, honestly, I, I don't know and I don't care where we're going all the way. <laughs> but yeah. Spoken yeah, like yeah. a tree founder, right? Like <laughs> funny, funny question that we always get that, you know. <laughs> well, um, okay. I said there were two questions left for you. Um, um, I don't actually know if I've used them up, but I, I know I've got one left. Um, let's, let's think a little bit ahead now. Um, you know, what's your dream for karate combat for say 12 to 24 months from now? Well, I think the main thing is to continue to grow our community. Um, honestly, it's just fun. You know, the more people that get involved, everyone enjoys what we're doing. It's just a great thing to be, be a part of three years ago. If I wore a karate, a karate combat t-shirt, no one had the faintest idea what it is. You know, now if you go out, people stop you because it's a niche up and coming brand, but a lot of people have heard of it and they say, Oh, you know, you know about that. That's awesome. You know, I've been watching it. Right. So it's just great to kind of see that. And then with web three, it brings the community even closer. So I just love to continue growing it, get more and more people involved. Um, you know, that's the thing that continues to happen. That I just, I, I enjoy seeing every single year. And then the one big change that I'm also excited about is we have this basic app functionality and people already like that. And I think as we add more and more um, different ways that they can interact with the token, more, more utility, you know, more, more say in different things, I think that'll create even more fan engagement in really unique ways and sort of grow the sense of community even further. So that's the big thing that I'd be really interested to see you know, 
probably in maybe like eight to 12 month timeframe as those features roll out. Well, Robert, thank you for sharing a little bit of the story about how you got here. So far, a lot of the story of how you got Karate Combat to where it is today and, and where you see where you see that going. Uh, maybe for the audience, just remind them where they can for, find out more about um, you, Robert Bryan, and Karate Combat. Yeah, yeah. Um, our, our, our next event, September 15th, it's in the Dominican Republic. You know, obviously see in person is the absolute best way, but it's awesome online too. Uh, karate.com, you know, we're on Instagram, Karate Combat, you know, Facebook everywhere. And, you know, once again, a lot of these other combat leagues, people assume you have to pay a ton of money. You can watch our events live for free on almost all of our platforms. So tune in, you know, they're usually once a month on, on Saturday. Um, our schedule's available on karate.com and, and take a look at it, download our app, and we'd love to have you, you know, join the fun over here at Karate Combat. Robert, I want to say thank you so much again for spending the time with us today. Um, I'm, I'm almost sure that uh, the people watching here will agree that uh, Karate Combat is one to watch uh, not maybe just for the fights, but also just to see how this uh, this whole business model um, using the power of Web3 for fan engagement is all going to play out. And we, I can certainly tell you that uh, me and a lot of others are rooting for you, um, and uh, and we'll be we'll be paying some really close attention and picking up some picking up some tokens. So thank you once again very much for uh, for joining us today. Great, appreciate appreciate you having me on. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance.